Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one chapter at a time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by CPA Alberta. It may be cliche to say by now, but we really are living in unprecedented times. That's why you should consider hiring a chartered professional accountant, also known as a CPA, to help guide you through this pandemic and jumpstart your recovery. With a CPA on your team, you can be confident you will find the best solutions to even your biggest business problems. CPAs are trained to dig in and truly understand how an organization operates, where it's already excelling, and how it can be better. For an inside look at how Alberta CPAs are supporting their clients through the pandemic, follow CPA Alberta on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. You can also visit cpaalberta.ca to find out more. I know we talk about the weather a lot, but that's because in Alberta, the weather kind of just happens all the time. It does It does crazy things sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, last week at this time, there was green grass on the ground. It was still like fall. It was very much autumn, yes. Yeah, and then in one day, we had well over a foot of snow, and it now looks like it's been winter out there for three weeks. Yes. Yeah. It has been winter out there for four days. Yeah. And we've and I think we've had as much snow as we did last year. Yes. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, when, when this episode is released, last Saturday was my birthday, and that was the day of our big snow dump. So I had a snowed-in birthday. <laughs> yeah, uh, all birthday plans were cancelled. And let's be fair, they were already very truncated birthday plans because of the whole gestures wildly at everything. Yes. Uh, so that was not super great. Huh, we made the most of it. We we did make the most of it. I, I had a pleasant birthday. Good. I'm Albeit glad. snowy. Uh, with that said, quick look back on Chapter 6 of Black Leopard, Red Wolf, in which... Uh, we get caught back up with the present timeline in which Tracker is discussing events that happened previously to an Inquisitor. Right. And then we have him in the past timeline talking to Leopard, telling him about stuff that's happened to him over the previous couple years. Yeah. In between the past times and the future past times, which are the now times which he is talking about in the future from the past. Correct. And then Leopard introduces him to his squire, and then the three of them walk down into a canyon to meet with a slaver. And that is where we pick up <laughs> Chapter 7 of Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. Everybody got that? Perfect. So, first thing, Tracker is not too impressed with Kasawura and his many rugs. Uh, also, he hates slavers. He makes that very clear. Uh, there is a sentence. Like, he goes on about how horrible this guy is, and then right in the middle, he's like, also, I just hate slavers. I mean, we had already posited that his time as a slave <laughs> was during the interceding years. I think so. Before this point. I hope so. so. Yeah, the note I wrote myself was, tell us how you really feel there, Tracker. Yeah. Kasawura kind of makes a, a flex here and says, you guys just cool your jets, hang around, I'll meet you at sunset and we'll discuss business. This is clearly 
meant as like a show of his largesse. He is so rich and powerful that this important business that he's brought them here to talk about can wait until later. Yeah, this is a rich guy flex. Absolutely. And it does not sit well with Tracker. No, Tracker has no time for it. He, Yeah, Tracker has no tolerance for this kind of attitude. No, he uh, tells Kasawara that he can state his business now or Tracker will take his leave because obviously the business is not important enough to merit hiring him. Leopard is like, dude, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> and Tracker's just like, you know what? I don't like having to jump through hoops. I don't like tests. I just like to get down to business. And... I can tell that's what this is. I hate it here. Yeah. I want to go. And there's a bit of a tense moment as Kasawura's, like servants all clutch at their pearls and his guards go for their weapons. And then Kasawura calls them all off because I get the impression he's actually kind of amused by the impertinence. Wait, that there's someone who isn't just going to be a yes man to him because he's rich and powerful? Let's not bother with these hoops. Let us proceed. As clearly Tracker wants to talk business now, Kasawura invites them to discuss business right now. And they get right into it. Apparently, this very young boy was taken three years ago. Right? Yeah. Okay. I have questions that we'll have to come back to. Okay. Let us carry on. This boy was kidnapped from a housekeeper in Congor that he had been entrusted to. Everyone in the house was murdered, except for the boy who is gone. He's in the wind. He was taken uh, with no ransom claim made in the ensuing time. Kasawara is sure the boy wasn't sold to sorcerers in Malangika, as his caravan has protection from a Sangoma. And he strongly implies Tracker still has protection from a Sangoma as well. Oh, we're going to get to that too. Tracker is really surprised at this timeline. He's like, what do you mean the boy? You want us to track down a boy who was stolen three years ago? This is impossible. Like, they have a huge head start. <laughs> like, this is not a reasonable yeah. time frame. Why didn't you call me three, three years, years ago? ago? Still... He's intrigued. And so he's like, all right, well, finish the story. What's going on here? Kasawara explains, they got reports of some men, a woman, and a child taking a room near the Hills of Enchantment. And the next day, the innkeeper was found dead, completely drained of blood. Two more similar deaths happened 10 days later in Lish, where the party was next spotted. And Tracker finds this very suspect because Lish is apparently a month or longer away from the Hills of Enchantment. And then about a month later from that, people in Luala Luala fled from rumors of night demons in their community after, again, a similar spotting of a similar party. And this leads Kasawura to believe that the boy is still in the company of this group who kidnapped him and they've been moving to these locations at astonishing speed. Leaving dead bodies in their wake. Dead, blood-drained bodies in their wake. Yes. Yes. Tracker asks for some more details, uh, because he's finding it odd that this group of apparent murderers did not kill the boy. And he's also curious about what Kasawara's relationship is with the boy, because why would you go to the trouble of hiring a bunch of people to recover him three years after the fact if he wasn't, say, your child? And Kasawara gets really cagey about the oh, relationship. Oh, he's super dodgy. He, all he says is, he is precious to me. Yeah, at first, at the very least. And then he admits that uh, this boy is not his son. Yeah, so Tracker assumes, well, then he must be a slave. And Kasawara kind of squares with Tracker here. He's like, look, I get it. You don't like me or my business. He even kind of tries to justify it very poorly because he's a slaver. Uh, very poorly. But he does 
put it out on the table here. He's like, that's as much as I'm willing to tell you unless you're in. So I need to know whether or not you're going to take this job before I give you any more information. Kasawara does say, at the very least, that he has indeed hired eight or nine other people. But he also makes it clear here that he's not hired an adventuring party to work together. He's hired a bunch of bounty hunters to try to find this boy for him. And some of them might be willing to help Tracker and Leopard in the quest. Mm -hmm. Others will probably be rivals, looking to make a quick buck for themselves by finding the boy without help. So I'm curious that what ha about what has changed in the past well, week for this guy. You don't wait three years to find someone. Something had to have changed because he desperately wants this boy back to the point where it's he's hi suddenly hired eight or nine people to go find him three years later. I have a theory about that and we'll get back to it. Okay. In the moment at hearing this news about this pack of bounty hunters, uh, Leopard is actually the one caught off guard because apparently he assumed that they were being hired as like an adventuring party to go and make adventure. <laughs> nope. Uh, that is not the case. But Tracker kind of gets to shush him here and is like, think about it, dude. If we work together and find the boy, we don't have to split the reward money seven other ways. We're good. This is fine. Yeah. Splitting it two ways is better than splitting it nine ways. Yeah. The slaver says, I will also let you know at this juncture that it will be a tough job because there will be forces arrayed against you to make sure that this boy remains hidden because someone's been working hard to keep him hidden for a while now. He kind of hints that magic is at work. But he also says he's very sure the boy is still alive. And indeed, he has consulted, apparently, with priests and wizards to uh, to confirm this fact. As you do. So Kasawara says, all right, if you want more information, you've got four days to decide if you want to take the job. You can meet me over here. I've arranged for a place when I come back to town. And you can let me know one way or the other. And the group kind of takes their leave at that point and heads back into town. Yeah, business over. On to pleasure. I, I guess? Not immediately, though. Tracker actually arranges for a room at the place he is staying, at the inn he stays mm -hmm. at, for Leopard. Leopard kind of reluctantly agrees to stay, mostly because the city's a hard place to hang out as a beast. Yeah, well, and you can tell he doesn't want to, but Tracker sort of convinces him by kiboshing every possible argument that Leopard would have. Yeah. It takes about three days for Leopard to get bored. <laughs> and then at that point, he's just like, Tracker, take me out on the town. Surely there's someone you need roughed up or some trouble you need to get into. I need anything because I've just I'm just pacing in my room going crazy. Yeah. So they they spend the day going about Tracker's business. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, we get to learn a little bit more about Malakal here, uh, which I found wonderful. Mm -hmm. A city built by thieves is how Tracker describes it. <laughs> yes. Uh, a place that no one conquered because it was the one city nobody ever dared to try. Partly because of its reputation as a city of thieves. And yeah. partly because it's built up in the mountains. So it's just naturally hard to reach. Yeah, just really hard to get to. Yeah, and apparently the people of the city are a bit of a fighty bunch. Tracker gloats to the Inquisitor in the present about how uh, they kicked the butts of the southern kingdoms <laughs> in a previous war. The city is very vertical building up rather than out, which makes sense if it's built up in the mountains. Yes. And apparently it kind of looks like four forts each rising out of the last due to the four walls yeah. of the city. I, I sort of I sort of kind of pictured it like, like a tower that was building alongside a mountain. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, kind of, yeah. 
The city mines gold, deals in slaves, and tolls the important trade route nearby to make money for the most part. Apparently. Well, because it's right next to the sea as well. Yeah, and the king is on his way. Uh, apparently he's there to celebrate his decennial, and the city is all abuzz about it. Uh, oh, it's a big to-do. Yeah, Tracker says this might not have been the best time for Leopard to visit because everybody's putting on a bunch of pomp and circumstance. <laughs> but Leopard finds it amusing, actually. Uh, Tracker also mentions that this was at least the case nine years ago, so we have a little bit more of a time frame here. Tracker talking to the Inquisitor in the present is nine years after the events that we're seeing in the city. Right. And apparently also something happened to the city in the ensuing nine years, because I... that's not the way it is anymore. I am never going to be able to keep track of all this. Tracker also mentions that this is a bit of an unusual living arrangement for him in Malakal, because he's in the city. And in previous locations, he's always kind of been on the fringes so that he can make a quick getaway when yeah. the time is right. Kind of kind of living on the, on the edge of the city. Right? But Malakal is the kind of municipality where someone can get lost in the crowd. Right? You just kind of hide in plain sight. Yeah, so you right can live... Middle right smack in the middle of the city and still be able to, like, get out of Dodge in an hour. And vanish, yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, an excellent place for Tracker. Kinda, yeah. So people see Tracker and Leopard coming and give them a pretty wide berth as they know trouble's brewing. Uh, not because they're afraid of trouble, but just they're like, nope, this is none of my business. And indeed, <laughs> Tracker takes Leopard to the home of a man who owes him some money to shake him down. And the man dissembles, uh, trying to pay him for uh, a hamburger today on Tuesday. <laughs> but Tracker will not hear it. And he goes to follow through on apparently a previous threat to break the man's fingers when the man suddenly has a total change of attitude and just like throws money at him and is like, get out, go out of here, go away, here, take your yeah, money. Take it, run, go, please get, leave me alone. And Tracker's a little surprised and confused and a little later learns that Leopard, it turns out, is very good at intimidation. Especially when he transforms in front of someone and that someone is scared to death. Yeah. <laughs> The next part of the day has Tracker visiting a few potential clients, but isn't really interested in any of the work that they're offering. I get the feeling that, in a way, he might be kind of looking for an excuse not to take the slaver's job at the moment. Maybe. Seeing if someone else has a more enticing offer, but nobody really does. Oh, and probably no one could pay him nearly as well. Definitely not. Leopard, at this point, is bored again. He asks after maybe finding some sexy times. Oh, Leopard. And then kind of laments, ah, wouldn't it just be great if we could just find the stupid boy that Cassowar is looking for right now? And Tracker's like, well, I'll tell you what, we could go find the slaver right now because he's in town. And Leopard's like, what are you talking about? He, he what now? He left days ago to go and trade slaves. He was coming back. And Tracker's like, mm, turns out maybe not so. Tracker does that thing where he just taps his nose yeah. and looks knowingly at Leopard. And Leopard is interested so the two of them follow the scent to a four-story house uh toward the edge of town and uh tracker points up at the top floor and is like dude's up there leopard asks him if he's become a bird in the ensuing few years because there's no door how do we get up to the the fourth floor tracker is actually a little offended that he likens him to a crow he's <laughs> like of all the birds in all the world you've picked a crow for me <laughs> really really dude uh, and then he tells Leopard, there is a door. You just don't have the eyes to see it. Wolf but, eye wink. And, uh, no, winks, winks with his good eye. Yeah. Yeah. Leopard kind of smirks at this and uh, says Tracker's starting to remind him of the old Sangoma. <laughs> talking and, talking with uh, with riddles and, and mystery. Yeah, there's, a, there's an extra story in there that we haven't heard. Indeed. Tracker apparently can see the secret door with his wolf eye. 
it's not really spelt out here, but we certainly get the impression that that's the case. We also get the impression Tracker might know a little magic. Yeah. Because he uses some magic to open the door. And then he, yeah, because he opens that there magic door. Indeed. And then they head up the tower, uh, which is largely empty, until they get close to the top and can start to hear a hushed conversation. And they stop close enough to eavesdrop. Yes. This is where we're introduced to two new characters, in addition to Kasawara and one of his servants who are there. What do they call him? The date? The date guy. Um, the date feeder? Yeah, the date guy. Yeah. His date guy. Yeah, his, his date guy. His date guy. The first of the new characters is a woman in chains, and she is very visually striking because she is apparently full of blue magic. Yes. Just right to the brim. Just, just like bursting with blue lightning. Yeah. There's also another woman who Tracker has never seen before, but he finds her scent incredibly familiar. He can't place it, but he's like, I know that smell. Mm -hmm. She is very tall, and she is described as having big hair. <laughs> I love everything about that. Yeah, the slaver and the tall woman press the prisoner, who we get a name for as Nuya, though that's not her real name, apparently. It's just what people call her. Uh, for answers about how she got Number one, how she got a dog into the tower, which she's been eating, apparently. Um, but also, they want to get some answers out of her. And she's a little belligerent at first, and they rough her up a little to get her to talk. And Leopard has an instinctive reaction to this, yeah. where he's just, he goes to, like, jump into the fray, and Tracker has to hold him back. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So the date guy, who we'll call Hank <laughs> Dateman. Oh, Hank Dateman. Gives us a story about the woman. Apparently, she used to live in a place called Nagiki with her family. And then one day, a roughly nine-year-old boy came knocking at her door, asking for someone to save him. He was in danger. Being a concerned woman with sons of her own, she was like, well, of course, come yeah. in. Like, we'll... we must protect this child. Yeah. They get him calmed down. They feed him some dinner. That night, the boy rises, goes to the door, and lets in a tall white, handsome stranger wrapped in a cloak. The stranger then goes about killing everyone. <laughs> More yeah. or less. He kills the woman's other sons, nearly kills her, while the boy just kind of hangs back in the cut and watches. And then the stranger presumably does something to her, which fills her with this power. We don't know exactly what it's not elaborated on, but we can presume he is responsible for it. Yeah, and he fills her with this blue lightning magic. Yeah. Something. This power compels her to also kill her husband the next morning when he gets back from work. And she then promptly goes mad with grief. The man and the boy are gone, so everyone assumes that she just got bewitched and killed her family, and she ended up in jail, and the slaver obtained her. And this is where I'm going to come back to that pin we put in the board earlier. Okay. I suspect the reason why now, three years later, the slaver is hiring people to find the boy is because he recently got his hands on this woman. And she has given him his first solid lead. Oh, okay. That is my theory. We don't know for sure. We don't know how long she's been in his custody. But assuming that he recently obtained her, that might explain the sudden urgency to hire people. Maybe? That doesn't entirely track. Because you can hire people right away. Hmm. He might have hired people right away. We don't know if he didn't hire people right off the bat. He just didn't hire these people. Oh, that's, that's true. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I have a slightly different theory. So apparently this woman is now enthralled to someone she calls the master. 
she has a rough idea of what direction he's going in at any time and is trying to get to him most of the time, which is why she's chained up. I suspect that part of also the reason why Kasawura obtained her is not just necessarily because of a lead, but because she is essentially a homing device for this tall white stranger. Which sort sort of leads into my theory about it. Go on. Okay, so I think he wants this boy back because that is the key to him obtaining his very own vampire. Yeah, we've not walked up to using that word yet, but you just dropped it into the mix. Um, There's some serious vampire stuff going on here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bodies drained of blood, mysterious master who a crazy person is now, like, beholden to. Right. Uh, a small needed, child under thrall. Needed to, uh, the small child under thrall needed to let the vampire into the house that he had been invited into. Right. Yeah, there's some vampire stuff there's going on. There's lots of vampire-y things happening here. Yeah. And, I mean, that could be the case. Maybe the boy is the key to controlling this vampire. Who's to say? Mm. I mean, we're, we're probably going to find out. One would presume. The tall woman is not impressed by this story. She doesn't entirely believe it either, despite the fact that the woman in front of her is clearly pulsing with magic. <laughs> Like, like shooting it off randomly sometimes. Yeah. Uh, she goes to leave. So Tracker and Leopard kind of quickly go and hide in one of the empty rooms in the house, like crouching in the dark. And when she gets near them, she looks over at them. Though Tracker's like, she can't, she can't see us. We're in the dark. We're in the, like, there's no way she can see us. But she then calls back to Kasawura, we will let you know what we decide tomorrow. And you don't think she's using the royal we there? I don't. I think <laughs> she knows that Tracker and Leopard are there. I think she's known that they've been eavesdropping this whole time. And I think she knows that they're in that room. That's legit. And it's I think that... Likely even. Yeah, she's she's aware that two of the other bounty hunters showed up, eavesdropped on the conversation, and will also be making up their minds, which is why she threw back, we'll tell you what we decide tomorrow. So what do you think? Party member or rival? I think, I think party member. I kind or of hope or frenemy member. maybe. I'm intrigued by her. I want to. I I like this girl already, and I oh, want to know her more. Frenemy would be the best. Absolutely. The slaver and the servant leave a little after she does, and when they're gone, Tracker's like, "Let's get out of here." And Leopard's like, "Hold up, we're gonna save the woman." And Tracker is like, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> she is full of lightning magic, and she's mad as a hatter. Oh yeah. Uh, what? Like we can't look after her. What is you're gonna you're gonna rescue her and then then what are we gonna do? He's also he also points out like you didn't care about all the slaves that were being mistreated by boss man there. I love this argument that they have. It is brief, but it is it is so strong to me. Yeah, Leopard quibbles about this. He's like, there's a difference between a slave and a prisoner. And Tracker's counter argument is like, no, nah, there, no, there isn't. There's not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Leopard kind of won't hear it and. Tracker isn't going to stop him from freeing her. At the end of the day, he's like, whatever, let's do this. The woman hears them coming, asks who they are. At first, she kind of mistakes them for her dead sons. And Leopard reveals himself and tries to calm her. Tracker makes one final plea to get him to see sense here. Because he's like, I can see that trouble's coming a mile away here. This is going to end badly. But Leopard dutifully gets to work freeing her, breaking the chains, holding her to the wall. And then when he goes to free her completely, she gets like this surge of power and just absolutely thrashes both of them. Oh, yeah. She throws them around like ragdolls in this room because she's full of blue lightning. Yeah. She manhandles Leopard and Tracker rather skillfully and is only stopped from probably killing them by Fumali showing up 
in the nick of time with Leopard's bow and pincushioning her with a few arrows. Oh, and thank goodness. Which does not slow her down. She just kicks the window open and leaps out of the fourth floor. Yeah, it, it more like diverts her as opposed to stops her. Yeah. And she, she bolts. She's not she's not in any way slowed down or injured by a plummet from a fourth floor window. Yeah. Uh, the trio dash down the tower and uh, go to follow her. <laughs> Lightning lady, run, 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 run. Um, she's out of sight, and it takes Tracker's nose to follow her frenzied dash through the city. And they catch up with her just as she leaps over a pair of guards and the city wall to the outside. The guards are so flummoxed by this that they decide that they they saw nothing. <laughs> And nope. clearly the real troublemakers here are you three mysterious people who've shown up at all hours saying that we have. Ugh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Tracker actually has to shame them into letting him pass. Like, well, listen, I work for your boss, he's, he's and we're on playing, official business. He's kind of playing a trump card here that we didn't know he had. Yeah. Which is, which is another story I expect we'll get at some point. Yeah, apparently he did some work for the city's, like, Governor, mayor, boss man? Chief. Yeah, the the guy in charge of the city. And he's got that guy's favor. And the guards aren't going to stop him without pissing off that guy. I like how he described it. That he found something that even the gods had said was lost. Tracker's very good. I'm like, oh, I want to hear that story. I mean, to be fair, he once followed a dead man into the underworld and retrieved him for his angry wife. Yes, I know. (laughs) But just... He alludes to so many other stories, it, and I desperately want to hear these other stories as well. Yeah. So, and I'm glad that he talks a lot. Let's, Indeed. Let's put it that way. Well, he's he's had adventures prior to this, and it, again, it makes the world seem bigger. They get out of the city, and they chase her basically to the end of a cliff, and she jumps off of it, and that is <laughs> end the end of, of the chapter. Yep. Yeah. And then... Uh, record scratch that's where everything stops yeah i don't suspect that she's going to die from that because she's already proven that a fall from a four-story window and a leap over a city wall are not going to deter her so oh no pretty sure she'll be fine quote unquote fine some measure of she wasn't fine to begin with so as as fine as she is uh full of vampire magic oh yes yeah so next up is chapter eight the list of things I want Tracker to tell me a story about is getting longer. Now, you had previously, just last episode, been talking about how the book felt like such a slow burn up to this point. And then in this chapter, all of a sudden, boom, plot. I know. I was the, excited. The story, is, the story is happening all of a sudden. Yay! And we learn tons about what's going on. We, learn, we get a little more context for the boy's disappearance. Mm-hmm. We learn that there's vampires involved. Mm-hmm. We've met probably another major character. I would assume. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, it, it's starting to feel like the story and the mystery are really kind of afoot at this hmm. juncture. And I thought that there was some great exposition and some great action in this chapter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, on the subject of vampires, who could have expected <laughs> that a vampire would suddenly appear in this story out of left field with no prelude whatsoever? like surely i was very surprised that a vampire has appeared in the story because there has been no mention of vampires up to this point nope not at all definitely isn't the vampire we talked about earlier yeah nope is this vampire sasab and sam 
That's my question for you. I, like 90%. 90, like the rules of, of narrative, right? So Sam but Sam could be priming us for the idea of vampires without necessarily being this vampire. Yeah, that's, to be fair. Yeah, that's why it's 90%, not 100%. But come on, you don't introduce a vampire. Well, allude to a vampire, kill off his brother, and then run away and be like, yeah, never see that guy again. And <laughs> then talk about vampires and be like, oh, no, it's a different guy. Yeah. 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 No, it's got to be. And we were kind of hoping that Sam Sam would show up at some point. Well, and he kind of does. We know he does. There's a tiny spoiler in the list of characters. Yes. At the front of the book. But we don't know that this is the Sam Sam. No, we don't know that yet, but I have a strong suspicion. And it, it kind of makes sense. Sam Sam's meal ticket was a Sam Sam, right? Yeah. And they killed a Sam Sam. Yep. So our vampire suddenly doesn't have someone to catch him food. So what does he do? He steals himself a little boy who can get him into houses to eat. He finds himself a replacement to Sambasam. Yeah. Like, there, there's... <laughs> no, it all tracks. That could be a thing that happened. Absolutely. So, Leopard and Tracker could be responsible for this boy's kidnap, is also what that means. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. You're right. Yeah. There's the possibility that if this is the same vampire, they are responsible for this reign of terror in a roundabout way. Yes. And we don't know that Samba Sam would necessarily look like a Samba Sam did. Because Samba Sam looked like a freaky ogre man. I was under the impression that they looked very different. That's certainly the implication. And also, there's the implication that Samba Sam can fly, which was made earlier. Which yep. might explain how that group that had the kid were getting around very quickly. Indeed. What I want to know is, why can't he find his own victims? He's a why vampire. Does he, why does he have to use somebody else? Because he's a vampire. And vampires are users, the ultimate users. Mm -hmm. Why do anything yourself when you can have someone else in your thrall do it for you? You know, it's funny because in a way, we're trackers stuck in a war between two slavers. Huh, that's <laughs> true. After a fashion, because uh, Kasawura is a slaver of men. And this vampire, whether it's a Samba Sam or not, is an enslaver of men. That's true. Uh, and women. Let's. I. I apologize for the gendered term of people. And so, in a way, that would that would mean that Tracker and Leopard are kind of stuck in a war between two slave masters, two very different slave masters. I also find it interesting the vampire is white, or described as white at the very least. And here's the thing, I I sort of assumed based on the uh, world that was built that everyone in the story is black. Yes. Right. I mean, outside of the uh, brief mention by Leopard last chapter that he had traveled somewhere where people with pale skin lived. Yeah. But that's because he traveled. Yeah. Away. So I wonder if they are, in fact, describing a white person or if they're uh, describing, like, a painted white person. Or if they're describing a pale white person. Right? Could be that, too. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Hard to say. Right. It's, and it's the way Tracker describes things that sometimes I can't tell. There's still some stories that Tracker needs to tell us and a couple of questions I have. I know, and I know it's, it has to come or I'll be very disappointed. The story about his wolf eye. I really would like to know how he got that fancy bracelet from the chief of the city. I mean, he kind of already told us. He just didn't go into detail. Well, I want the details because that sounds fascinating. And I want to know what uh, transpired between, the, between Tracker and the Sangoma back in the day. 
that he has all of these non-magical protections on him. And he talks like she does. What went down between those two? She might be possessing him just a little bit. I don't I don't think that's it. Hard to say. Oh. Or her spirits lingering around protecting him. There's It's it's non-magical, we know that because know. Hank Witchman didn't find any magic on him. But it he's pulling it out like it's an ace up his sleeve, right? Every now and then. And I want to know how it got there. Uh, it might have to do with his wolf eye. Maybe. Hard to say. We'll see. Yeah. And I want to know who this lady is. I assume that we will probably find out more of that next chapter. It's true. Which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. In the meantime, you know, Malakal seems like a pretty interesting place. And uh, it's the kind of place that Tracker has liked enough that he's wanted to contribute a little bit to the community. And wouldn't you know it, Edmonton is also a nice place. And if you live here, you might want to contribute to the community here as well. And wouldn't you know it, there's an organization that helps you to do just that. And there is a podcast about that organization, which you can tune into right now. The Well-Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonking, and it's produced by Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. Then the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Yeah, the Well Endowed Podcast. We've talked about them before. Many times. They are good people talking about the good work that the community does for our city. <laughs> for now, the if, good. Yeah. If you don't live in Edmonton, maybe not as interesting to you, but uh, there's definitely something that's going to be of interest to you if you head over to albertapodcastnetwork.com, uh, where you can find all the podcasts that are part of the network. So many podcasts yeah there's podcasts about food podcasts about politics podcasts about entertainment sports, sports. uh bollywood you like bollywood Oh, bollywood for lovers is a huge podcast on our network yeah they're a big deal yeah you should uh, go and check out any or all of them again you can do so at albertapodcastnetwork.com you can then probably find it on your podcatcher of choice while you're there Drop by our little page. Give us a little rating and a review. That definitely helps us out a lot. We would appreciate your feedback. We would like to tell you how much we appreciate your feedback if you also let us know on social media. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along on most of those. Yeah, basically, except for Goodreads, where we're just The Read Along. Uh, You can also send us an email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Want to know who this lady is? Hello, lady. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.